Drip, drip, drop. Dropping dimes, dropping dimes. Baby Dame Dollar here, trailblazing dimes everywhere. I don't want to boast, but I'm dropping down from coast to coast. Dropping dimes everywhere, like I just don't care. I'm dropping dimes on the bike. On Welcome the to Talking Giants, presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. Our last position review of the offseason. We're, uh, we always finish off with the quarterback, so we're doing our Daniel Jones year in review. Um, so excited to get into that. Justin, how are you? Bobby Skinner, uh, very happy to have you back. I hope you are well. Very excited for this episode. Uh, I'm, I have a lot of good energy with me right now. It's been like a good Twitter week. I've had a good Twitter week. I you know, feel like we've been putting out um, some good stuff. I have been disputing any Leonard Williams slander, any Leonard Williams excuse. And then uh, since we were doing the prep for Daniel Jones, um, I was putting out some anti-Jason Garrett stuff, and I was disputing that left and right, too. I feel untouchable this week. Um, tired, but good energy. Excited for this episode. Giant stories and Daniel Jones. It can't, it can't get better. It can't get any better than that. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Obviously, uh, you know, once again, thank you to you and Danny for uh, filling in for me. Um, it's always rough, but it, uh, it's life. So we're moving, moving on, moving forward. Greasy three forever. Um, and we're going to talk about Daniel Jones, dude, some giant stories. But before that, Justin, we talk about how this show is like a family because it is. Well, three important family members. You want to know who they are, Justin? They're Tucker Cherry, Cherry Tuck. Um, you know, Justin Tuck, um, you know, Cherry on top. We got Corey Dyer, not Corey Dwyer, Corey Dyer. Like, if you come at me, I'm going to make you dire, like, even more. And mm. then Eddie Watson, and, you know, that's kind of a simple name, but you don't see many Eddies anymore, you know? Like, Ed, Ed, and Ed, I think maybe Ed, Ed, and Eddie, the show, stopped people from being named Eddie after that. Well, I think it's my generation that's going to start naming their kids Eddie again because of that show. I have an uncle, Uncle Eddie. He is the oldest of eight kids. Wow. You have a big family. We, we were texting about that. That's kind of crazy. But those wonderful people, we also have a big family. I mean, Bobby, what do we have? Almost 170 family? No, that's not true. We Is have more true? than that, but we have 168 paid family members. 168 paid family members. And those 168 people, including people that sponsor today's episode, including Eddie Watson. Will be invited um, to our funerals. <laughs> Patreon bonus. That's actually, you know what? That's a new bonus to Patreon. (laughs) If you are a Patreon member at the time of any of our deaths, you will be given an invitation to the funeral. (sighs) Kind of morbid. (laughs) I mean, it's a good perk. It's not a bad perk. Sign up. Sign up while you got the chance. I'd I'd like to be invited. (laughs) I'd like to be invited to my favorite content creator's funeral, but that's kind of morbid. Such is life, bro. Life is short. Patreon.com slash talking giants. Um <laughs> you get you get to be invited to our funerals at in, in the case of our unforeseen deaths. But also Bobby and I we will be doing this for like the next ninety seven years. So we'll we'll still have our Patreon going by then. Yeah, yeah, we definitely will. Or we'll have Twitter like super fans or whatever. Oh, are we gonna do that? No. No, we already have Patreon. Um and I'm not putting exclusive content on Twitter. Alright. <clears throat> I should waddle. I should. I should like um, dance for everybody. No, no. You know, I was thinking about today how much it's gonna suck if we draft Jalen Waddle because you're gonna keep reposting that video. Um, no, I'm gonna do it again. Oh God, please, <laughs> Devontae Smith, please fall. Um, 
So, like I said, we got we got some stuff to get to. Um, Patreon, you get a free magnet. You get to be in our live streams for the recording of the podcast. A little, you know, we talk with the chat afterwards. Um, and then two free shirt giveaways. Um, get the Talking Giants versus the World shirts. They weren't up on the store Friday morning last week. They are this week. So, all right, Justin. Before we get into the Daniel Jones review, the Giants research Rick. I don't research Rick. Just refreshes the staff site on Giants.com. He found this, and then he, he sent it the way of Dan Duggan. John Berger, who was basically the first analytics guy for the New York Giants, was there since 1981, is mm-hmm. no longer with the Giants. They said it was amicable, um, but uh, pretty interesting. But it, you think a guy who's been working since 81, 40 years later, it, it, it might just be him retiring. So I, I we have no clue of what, ha- what went down, or at least I don't. Yeah. Yeah, my first thought was, like, no matter what happened, and, and, you know, you never want to root for somebody to lose their job, especially you never want to root for somebody to lose their job where you don't even know, like, what they're doing and how good of a job they're doing. It's different when it's, like, you know, Jason Garrett or Pat Shermer or a head coach that you don't like where it's like, okay, we can see that you're not doing the best of jobs, so we kind of want you gone. Um, But I thought it was interesting simply because – this is somebody that's been with the organization since, you know, 1981, and that's pretty much, you know, when you're talking about the, the days of George Young coming in here, and uh, uh, the Giants have gotten the criticism as an organization that even in 2020, where it's kind of turned into a little bit more of a passing league, that the Giants are still stuck in the mentality that, you know, it is the days of George Young, and it's the days of Bill Parcells of, you know, run run the ball, stop the run. Um so it was nice. I, I it was nice. To, my first initial reaction was it was nice to see that the Giants are going to be getting you know new blood and a new brain, a new brain in there that hopefully is innovative because they actually have made some uh, pretty interesting hires to their research and analytical staff within the last couple of years. Um, pretty diverse staff too, which is cool to see. But then I you know but then we got some tidbits here and there that says like this guy's he's like a really good guy. Um, and he actually was maybe trying to change some stuff. So, good. I mean, glad it was amicable. Glad the Giants are getting, you know, good brains in there. Glad it wasn't a, a sour ending between the two. This is an important hire, though. Yeah. Or departure. Yeah, for sure. Um, analytics. Um, somebody in the chat said Jason Garrett's going to carry the casket to let you down one last time. Matthew Gilroy. Oh, man. Brutal. Don't put that energy in there. That's brutal. That's brutal. <laughs> Well, hey, if you get to go to our funerals, we get to see Jason Garrett and, and tell him, you know, speak your mind to him. All right. <laughs> Justin, are you ready for the Daniel Jones 2020 year in review? Oh, I couldn't be more ready for anything in my life. We're going to try and not get too numbers because I have a page full of numbers and splits and yep. deep ball. And thir- I'm gonna tr- we're going to try and not get too numbery on this. Yeah, so, so here's going to be like the preface, you know. I'm going to also be making a YouTube video where I'm going to try to include numbers. I'm going to try to include graphics and you know, I'm going to try to grind that out for everybody. But I've never asked anybody to like trust us in what we're saying. Never, because I don't view myself as, you know, somebody who is very smart. I, you know, I think Bobby and I, we just pride ourselves that we work hard. But I want you to trust us here because I don't want to talk about, you know, for example, I don't want to talk about how Daniel Jones has like the the fifth highest CPOE on passes with 15 plus air yards. I'm just simply going to say that Daniel Jones was one of the most efficient deep ball passers in the National Football League this year. And you ha- and I want you to trust me and believe me that that is a true statement, which could, you know, co- en- encompass a lot of different stats for this is why I love this episode, Bobby. Because there is no 
other position in the game of football that has as much data, as much nuance, and as much... It's it's just fun to look at quarterback data. It's fun to look at quarterback performance because it's so important to a football team. Um, and also, it, it just it makes up so much about what a football team does. So I want you to trust us in what we are going to say. That's not going to be like super numbery or anything like that because um, we just want to have like a cool conversation. But a lot of my thoughts, Bobby, it is shaped around the numbers and it is shaped around what the numbers are telling me. And I try to form my opinions from there. Well... Justin Daniel Jones rookie season in 2019. It was fun. It was fun. It was the one fun thing about the 2019 season was Daniel Jones. You know, for people who watch film, that's what you look forward to. Watching Daniel Jones, watching him throw 24 touchdowns in 12 games, watching him, you know, have have two rushing touchdowns. It was fun. And there was so much excitement going into this season for the Giants offense because you had the same players there. Okay. You ha- I mean, you had the same players. Andrew Thomas. All in all, was an upgrade at left tackle. Um, Fleming was a downgrade over Mike Remmers. But everything else seemed to, you know, Nick Gates was an upgrade. Everything else was the same. Everything else was the same. The only difference was Saquon got hurt. Ingram was healthy. So you're excited for it. And it starts off bad. I mean, just, I mean, the offense for the whole year is bad. You know, so it never was like, oh, feeling amazing. But I mean, you know, we were 0-5. And when you're 0-5, you, drafting a quarterback talk starts happening. It yep. just does. You know, now we got to 6-10 and 10 to where we're not in that talk anymore. But it was happening. Um, and then that Tampa game. That Tampa game was, and we'll talk about that, you know, the splits between those, you know, that landing mark of the season. That was a rough moment, man. On Monday Night Football. Like, I, I don't think he, I don't think he'll ever have a, like, even if Daniel Jones doesn't work out, I don't think he'll ever have a low moment like that Tampa Bay game. Yeah, and the crazy thing about that Tampa Bay game is that he did leave. He did lead a almost game tying drive. It was just a failed two point conversion that resulted in us talking about how that's Daniel Jones's worst game of the season versus him almost pulling off a, a comeback victory against the would be Super Bowl champions. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy looking back at that. Yeah, um, and you know. So everyone knows I like Daniel Jones. I believe in Daniel Jones. Doesn't mean I, I I'm like for sure he's going to work out, but I believe in him. I believe in everything that he's about. You know, from from the mindset to the tools to the accuracy downfield to his legs. So I do believe in Daniel Jones. But we're gonna we'll finish it off the episode talking about what does year three mean for Daniel Jones. So yeah. Justin in 2020, his second year, he completed 62.5 percent of his passes. 2,943 yards, 6.6 yards per attempt, and a pitiful touchdown net mark. I mean, 11 touchdowns is pitiful. I get there was some, we, we pounded in at the, at, you know, at the one yard in the goal line a little more. So say you add like seven, which isn't unrealistic because there was like four passes thrown down to the one yard line and some other ones where they just pounded in at the five. But even if you add seven touchdowns, 18 touchdowns isn't a good number for 14 games either. So the touchdown number, even if you add those, it wasn't good. 10 interceptions, which is a good number. Like 10 interceptions is a good number. You know, there's 16 QBs in the NFL who had as many or more interceptions um, than Daniel Jones this year. So he had 11 less passes and two more games, though. He played two more games without Saquon Barkley and had 11 less passes in 2019. And he was sacked at a higher rate. He was sacked at a higher rate. So... He was sacked at a higher rate, 
and his time to throw was down around a tenth of a second from 2019 to 2020. His time to throw was actually down a little bit, partially because his air yards was down by probably around two yards as well. Yeah, and then, like I said, his time to throw was 2.76, which was 19th most in the NFL. Justin, it was an up-and-down season for Daniel Jones. But I think the thing you hang your hat on if you, you know, if you're someone like us is the surrounding cast and Jason Garrett as well were not good. They were not good as well. That doesn't give Daniel Jones an excuse, but it's it's just the fact of the matter. You know, this he, you know, offensive like he was the um the second most pressured QB of of any QB who played eight or more yeah. games. He had the fourth most sacks in the NFL and he missed two games. Yep. Um you know, the wide receiver separation numbers aren't great. But we also do see what they did in 2019 with a very similar, if not the exact same staff. So it's not uh, it's not it's not fully given away. But the only difference is Jason Garrett. So you don't feel good about this year, but I don't think this is like a this was a give up on Daniel Jones year. No, not not at all. And you know, part of why you have to trust us, and I think a lot of people have trusted us this year by saying that, you know, this is not a give up on Daniel Jones the year. This is a year, Bobby, where we asked ourselves during the regular season, what have we learned about Daniel Jones? You know, what what can you definitively say? Even if, you know, you're you're a casual and you're an average fan, maybe you're listening to us for the first time since the season because Daniel Jones's name is in the title, right? You know, I want to ask you, and I want you to think about this as you're listening and watching this, what did you learn about Daniel Jones this year? You know, you could say, oh, we continued to turn the ball over. Well, think about how many times Evan Ingram tipped the ball up in the air, right? You know, he he, he continued to fumble, but and that's he really not necess- did it though. I mean, correct. The correct. turnovers were not like the turnovers weren't an issue this season. Now no. they, I, I also, I'll, let me fix that. The second half they were basically gone. The first half they were there, but they weren't. They weren't an issue. It was just more carryover from his rookie season right. because, like you said, the ten interceptions is a good number, um, and then two of those were flat out. In Evan Ingram's hands and popped up, and there's other yeah. ones you could talk about. And, then- and also with – now, take take it with a grain of salt if you don't like PFF, right? I, I think I do like the turnover-worthy plays. It's it's a tool in the toolbox. I, I like it when you just compare it from apples to oranges, apples being 2019, oranges being as 2020. And Danny King found this, so shout out to him. Daniel Jones's turnover-worthy plays dropped 15 from – dropped 15 in total from 2019 to 2020. He had 18 in 2020 compared to 33 turnover-worthy plays in um in 2019. So Bobby, I mean, 18 total turnover-worthy plays and he had 10 interceptions and how many fumbles? Well, let's talk about the fumbles. Yeah. Officially he has 11. But he had 9. Remember the Wayne Gallman handoff in Dallas? Whenever a handoff is botched, even though it was yep. 100% Wayne Gallman's fault, they count it to the QB. So that's 10. And then the toss to Evan Ingram. And yep. please miss me with the, well, it wasn't placed perfectly. It was a toss that hit his hands. Both of them. In the palms. You catch that. Okay? Just because, it, you know. So that's, that's not a fumble on Daniel Jones. So that's nine. Um, so that's nine on the season. And then you look at uh, his 2019. He had 18. But let's call it 17. Because similarly... Remember the Damari Scott sweep versus Green Bay that he dropped. Um, they counted that as a fumble. So, uh, snap-wise, he played um, 810 snaps this year compared to 816 in 2019. So, the exact same number. 
the exact same number. And what did we ask for for the fumbles this year? Cut it in half. Well, that number is literally cut in half. Yep. Um, and then when you put it, put bring into uh, even more context, when do you fumble the ball? On sacks and on carries. Those are the times where you're getting hit. That's that's those are really the only times a QB can have a fumble. Um, there's obviously some other instances, but those are those are the main ones. Um, in 2019, there was 83 of those snaps. This year, there was 110 snaps. So last year, one in five, which is unreal how much he fumbled in 2019. It's I mean, it's crazy. This year, one in 12. So if you eliminated his rookie season, now you wouldn't have those touchdowns that were there. But his 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 turnovers were fine. His turnovers weren't, you know, there was games where they were an issue. Tampa wasn't an issue. You know, the interception late versus the Rams. But big picture-wise, you're not worried about Daniel Jones' turnovers in year two. The issue is that with the reduction of turnovers, we didn't get the same production of scoring and touchdowns there too. Now, I can imagine the average person that may be listening to this is saying, Oh, well, you know, you guys criticize all the time how Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett, you know, they don't throw the ball downfield enough. They don't throw the ball down the field enough. Um, and that's why, you know, if they, oh, you're saying Daniel Jones cut down on his turnovers this year. Well, it's because he didn't throw the ball down the field and he was being conservative with the ball. Bobby, that was not the case. Um, that was not the case. Uh, I He did not throw, uh, Daniel Jones, that is, he did not throw a single interception that was over 20 yards. In fact, six out of his 11 touchdows came for from 20-plus 20, 20 yards downfield. From 10 to 19 yards, he threw four interceptions. From zero to nine yards, he threw six interceptions with five touchdowns. Um, you yes, know, I'm not the big, I'm not the biggest... I'm not the biggest fan of uh, touchdown to interception ratio and, and saying that that's a legitimate stat. But you want to know what? When you're targeting between zero to nine air yards in terms of depth of target, and your touchdown to interception ratio is a uh, is like one to zero, or interception to touchdown ratio is one to zero. That's kind of bad. Yeah, kind of bad. The interceptions came on the quick hitting plays where it was pre like you had to have a pre snap read, which is what this offense was based on. So it was like that kind of screwed him instead of letting him read the you know read. F- from deep to short, they had him reading horizontally. And if you want to look at the effects of that, look at Justin Herbert, how down people were on from yep. his last year at Oregon and in a horiz- you know, uh, a horizontal offense. Then you put him in a vertical one at the Chargers, and he has the rookie of the year, you know? And it's funny, you look at Justin Herbert's per game numbers with Daniel Jones' rookie year, they're like exactly the same when they're both yep. in that vertical offense. So, you know, we know Jason Garrett's staying, but they have to implement more of the vertical game. And I guess that can lead into the deep ball numbers, Justin. He had the best QB rating in the NFL in the deep balls. Um, he completed 50%, 20 for 40, 652 yards, which is 16.3 yards per attempt. Six touchdowns, like you mentioned. Zero interceptions, like you mentioned. The highest completions percentage was Deshaun Watson at 52%, but he also had three interceptions. So Daniel Jones had the best rating, and that's something you know we talked about last year. Obviously, his 2019 numbers weren't as good as that. The only one number was better is he had 10 touchdowns in 2019 on, on deep throws compared to the six this year. But that was something I, I, I love about Daniel Jones. And it's something, you know, when people ask me, what do you, what do you think Daniel Jones is elite at? Because people are like, oh, what, what is he elite at? My first answer has always been downfield accuracy. Deep mm-hmm. balls down the field is where I believe Daniel Jones is elite. The percentage of plays with 15-plus air yards was 27th in the National Football League. Um, so the the fifth least 
they ran <laughs> Daniel Jones was targeting 15 plus yards um, down the field. So if you want an actual total with that, and this is according to Sharp Football Stats, if you want to actually a pass frequency, 4% from the left sideline, 15 plus air yards, 5% from the, what is considered the middle of the field in between the hashes, and 6%, 15 plus air yards, um, that is counted on the right sideline. I will say one, all right, so we, we've talked a lot of positive Daniel Jones. There's one thing accuracy that I want to mention. One thing accuracy. Um, now, this is just looking at overall completion percentage and looking at overall passer rating. It's not me, you know, saying, oh, you know, this is his on target percentage, blah, blah, blah. But the only spot of the field where Daniel Jones had below a 58% completion rate was the left sideline, 15 plus yards down the field. It was a very bad 28%. Everywhere else on the over the field, Bobby, and we even talked about this like by the over the bye week, I think, or or even with the Tampa game, because I wrote about this in talking analytics that week, where a big concern of Daniel Jones stemming from his rookie year was his accuracy outside the numbers. That was that was a big, big concern. At least on the right sideline this year, he was about average. Towards the middle of the field, Bobby Skinner, I want you to guess. I want you to guess what Daniel Jones's passer rating was over the middle of the field when he was targeting receivers, tight ends, running backs, whoever, over the middle of the field. I want you to guess what it is. 158.3. And and what is 158.3? A perfect passer rating. A perfect passer rating. A per- perfect. You can you cannot get better than that. Um you can say it's from low sample size. Yes, yes, yes. Blah 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 blah. But Bobby throwing the ball deep was the only thing that worked with any consistency in this offense. Jason Garrett's offense is one that is designed to be an efficient, quick-hitting offense, but instead, Daniel Jones was continuously holding onto the ball at an above-average rate. His wide receivers could not create separation, and therefore, because they couldn't create separation, they could not create yards after the catch. I want to talk about yards after the catch numbers for a second. Yards after the catch per completion. This is per, per pro football reference. Five yards, yards after the catch per completion in 2019. In 2020, it was four yards after the catch per completion. That is an entire yard less. Jones was tied for the second least, second least, you know, in terms of when he was targeting his guys, second least out of all quarterbacks in yards after the catch per completion. Now, typically, Bobby, when quarterbacks have a low yards after the catch per completion, it's because they're throwing the ball deep, right? And when you throw the ball deep, you typically have a safety right by you or you have a corner that's trailing, right? You know, uh, the last line of defense, the NFL is pretty good at not, not allowing all the, you know, those big 60, 70 yard plays that maybe sometimes you see a lot in college where the teams are just airing it out, airing it out, airing it out. But Daniel Jones was like an exception. His air yards, his air, his air yards per attempt and his air yards per throw was around seven yards, yet... <laughs> <laughs> and he was like the second worst in the NFL in terms of getting the yards after catch per completion. Typically, all the quarterbacks that are bad at getting yards after catch per completion. Now, I'm not saying quarterbacks is like that's their fault, but the offenses and the quarterbacks that don't benefit from yards after the catch, they're averaging like eight and nine, nine air yards per attempt. Daniel Jones is the exception in that regard. So it's just so, so mind-boggling that we have a system and we have an offense right now, and Dan Schneier says it best, where it really is designed to get 10 yards every 
three plays. And that is just not who Daniel Jones is. It, it, it's almost it's not like who the NFL is anymore. No, it's not. It, the NFL is a is a league that's built off of explosive plays. If you've been listening all year, you know how bad the Giants are in explosive plays. And really, the thing that Daniel Jones has done best in his young NFL career so far with his legs and through the air is produce those explosive plays. Yeah, it's it's unreal. And and I think it it comes down to is they looked at the rookie season and said we got to limit these mistakes. But I I really do believe they went about it the whole wrong way. And so we're talking about deep ball and downfield shots. Well, we can't just throw the ball deep. I get that. I I agree. You can't just throw the ball deep. But what Daniel Jones has looked good in and and even look at the end of his 2019 season and and there was some chemistry with Caden Smith in this role, is he started coming back down to his check down a little better. Now, he's not progressed enough to where he's Tom Brady, where he's going to know when to get to the swing pass with the running back at the exact right time. Like, he's not progressed like that. But when you put his check down in the middle of the field, it works, and you put vertical concepts, that's when he comes back to it, and you get the most yards out of it. Um, and so I charted this all year with the vertical game, and... I just did plays that had two or more 15-plus yard routes, and I did it for 2019 and 2020. Now, those aren't even all created equal, because even in those, Jason Garrett's weren't as downfield attacking as the way Pat Shermer's were. But anyway, so I, I, did the, I did those stats. On the plays that were like that, so it doesn't mean throwing the ball deep, just what I would call deep concepts. 65.7%, 9.47 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, three, three interceptions, 10.2% sack rate on the plays that aren't. So the quick hitting short game, 61%. So even on the quick game, he's completing almost 5% less yards per attempt. Which is which is bizarre. Like, Bobby, this uh, I'm going to let you continue. This is an offense, and, I'll, and we're getting the question in the chat right now, in our, in our Patreon chat. Well, who was the option? Who was the deep option for the Giants this year since we think Darius Slayton is hurt? You know, and, you know, kind of what Bobby just said, I don't think having a lack of weapons is an excuse to just have monotone route concepts and not try to expand the field or at least try to pull a safety. Pull a safety out from close to the line of scrimmage and close from the box. Try to pull that safety, pull those secondary players out, even if you don't have an intention of throwing the ball deep and trying to open up things underneath. So that's that's the answer to the question for those of you who are saying, but who do the Giants have that go deep? Who do the Giants have that go deep? Um, and I was going to say something else. Bobby, this is an offense that is that is shaped around the, you know, the quick-hitting passing game, and I think I kind of just said this a couple minutes earlier. It's shaped around the quick-hitting passing game, but it didn't allow any of that to even open up because there was no, there was nothing deep that was allowing these guys to open up. So continue with your with your numbers. No, and and I th- and I, I think Dan Orlovsky said it correctly. Um, and oh, let me finish the numbers with those with the short yeah, finish concepts. Five point two five yards per attempt, which is four over four yards less per attempt, um, and then an eight point three sack rate. So the sack rate isn't even like much better. Like it's it's really not that much better. In fact, it's worse than the entire sack rate for the twenty nineteen season. Um, and then you look at the 2019 numbers. Now, interesting enough, in the 2019, his completion percentage on the deep concepts was six points worse than the short concepts. But even in that, he averaged 4.2 yards per attempt more, which is what we talk about is this game is won with chunk plays. It's not, it's, yeah. you're, you're not going to win consistently by nickeling and diming down the field. No. And that's not us. That's not analytics. 
I mean, listen to football coaches talk about it. Look at Steve Sarkeesian. Look what he did with the Alabama. Like, it's not – that's just not what football is no. anymore. The, um, the top ten teams in the National Football League that produce the most explosive plays – now, this is both in the pass game and the run game. The top ten teams that produce the most explosive plays in the National Football League had a winning percentage of about 64%. And look at – I mean, look at how proud we are of our defense. They were built around stopping that. Where yeah. it's like, hey, like the Giants have the personnel to be the best, have the best run defense in the NFL. But what they did is like, hey, we're going to trust the big guys up front to stop the run. So we're not going to have the best run defense, but we're going to have a good enough run defense where they're going to average more than four yards per carry against us, but they're not going to get those big passing attempts. That's how we beat the Seahawks. Yep. Um, so basically what we're saying is, is what Daniel Jones feels comfortable with, and it was the same thing at Duke, um, and, you know, people looked at Daniel Jones' stat book at Duke, and that was it. Like, I like you know, he completed – like, his completion percentage on deep balls his senior year at Duke, I think, was like 29%. Yeah, it was not good. But guess what it was converted to with drops? Ah. 72%. He had 15 drops on deep balls alone. That's nuts. I don't think Daniel Jones had 15 drops all year this year. At Duke, he had 15 on deep balls, it it went from twenty nine percent to seventy two percent. It's unreal how bit how much you, how many yards and completion points uh, drops caused him at Duke. So that was his strength at Duke, you know. Um, so make it a vertical game. Let him read deep. Let him give him the option to take those chances. And then hey, if it's not there, come back to your check down in the middle of the field. So while you can see what's going on downfield, you can still see without having to go through progressions like crazy and give him that time to yep. grow. Like, that's the other thing. It's like people are like, oh, he doesn't go through his progressions that fast. Well, one, most QBs don't in the NFL now. Like, there's very few that, like, I, I think, have I think someone that. did a number, like a stat, and maybe you have it, of how many percent of throws are first read throws. Like, the NFL is, is a one-read league right now. I have I have those numbers exactly. PF, the PFF QB annual does it. Look distribution. Daniel Jones on his first read, um, 70% of his, I, I don't know if this is passing attempts or completion. Um, I, I would guess this is completions. 70% of his completions went to his first read. Guess what the average is? 65, I think. 69. Okay, so nice. Um, and... <laughs> And here's the thing is with this offense, it was built like not only do you have to go through your progressions, but you have to know what you, it was all pre-snap where it's like when you have everyone yeah. breaking their route at the same time, there's no time for progressions. In that. I have numbers. I have, I have numbers on that. There's by the way. no time for that. There's no time yeah. for progressions when every route is breaking at the same time and you're running, you know, both outside receivers are running curls. That's not going through progressions. That's knowing mm. what's going to happen before the play. Well, guess what happens when they're playing press man against curl routes before the play? There's no pro there's no progression. There's nowhere yeah. to go. And you end up taking sacks. You end up getting hit. You end up throwing tight passes that get popped up and there's someone behind them. Then it turns into an interception. So yeah. it just it wasn't built for him. And it's it's the sixth overall pick. And the excuse that, well, oh, they were built for Saquon. Well, guess what? You had 14 weeks to figure it out after that. And then two, Daniel Jones was the sixth overall pick. The offense has to be built around him. It has to be built around him. And there's no, and this idea of building for Saquon, they shouldn't be, like, I don't get, like, oh, you build the offense for Daniel Jones or build for Saquon. How about 
you build it for both your first round picks. How about that? Like let's let's put let's put our minds around. Let's grasp that. How about we build our offense for our quarterback, the most important position in the NFL, not running back, the least important. And you can still build things in, have it in the passing options. Like that's what you do with Saquon. Make passing plays where he's the number one option. Like that was if there's one criticism I had of Shermer is there wasn't enough with that with 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 um Saquon Barkley. Yeah. It's so it, it's frustrating. It's like man, it's like and and we had the conversation in season and then Joe Judge came out and and kind of dispelled that where it's like do they even like this guy? Cuz it seems like they're like almost like trying to make him fail at sometimes. Yeah. You mentioned uh tight windows you know, we've we've been basically dancing around the whole point of, you know, guys aren't getting open, route concepts aren't allowing these wide receivers to get open. And yes, does it have something and very much to do with the lack of wide receiver talent? Yes, but you also do have to note that these were the same exact guys yes. that we had from the year before, and and Evan Ingram was healthy. So you have to take note of that. And when we actually were using Evan Ingram going down the field in a vertical way instead of a little button hook Y option Jason Witten way, Evan Ingram was kind of productive. Um, he still had the drops and he still tipped balls up, and he was still frustrating nevertheless. Uh, Evan Ingram was actually like the best Giants uh, wide like skill position player to create yards after the catch this year. So that's 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 a bonus. Um so but in Caden terms Smith. of Caden Smith, the the yak the yak king because you know when you when you check down your check downs are wide open so those guys are gonna create yak. Um same thing with running back. So but we were talking about tight window rate um or we weren't talking about tight window rate. We were talking about tight windows and we were talking about lack of separation. So Daniel Jones's tight window rate according to next gen stats was 17.4%, which is which was the seventh highest in the National Football League with QBs with at least 300 attempts. Bobby the ironic thing again, I will say this again. Typically quarterbacks with a tight window rate and I will see I it's it's called aggressive uh, aggressiveness percentage in um on on NFL next gen. So let's find I am testing out this theory on the fly. Um Drew Locke had a 19.6 uh, ag- aggressive percentage and guess what Pat Shermer's offense is? Hey, Vertical. I think Drew Locke threw downfield more than any QB. In the NFL. Carson Wentz 19%. Guess what that offense is? Pretty darn vertical. Ryan Tannehill has a uh, uh, air yards of 8.4 yards. Justin Herbert runs a vertical offense. Um, and his aggressiveness percentage was close to Daniel Jones. And then there's Daniel Jones in there, 17.6%. You know, it's just so so out of whack. It doesn't make sense that typically you have quarterbacks that throw the ball deep and that that they have those vertical concepts, and that's why they're throwing into tight windows because when you're running those vertical routes, when you're running down the field, when you're running deeper down the field, you're most likely going to have a guy that's trailing behind you versus when you're utilizing the intermediate part of the field, typically coordinators and typically schemes find a way, you know, a lot of people like to talk about, well, a quarterback has to find a way. Typically schemes find a way to get their guys and scheme their guys open. That just was not, was not a thing with this offense. And there's one other thing that I want to mention in terms of, I did not. We, I, I feel bad that I did not bring this up um, during our offensive line episode, where I was like, I was kind of tough on the offensive line and saying they really have to improve, they really have to take a step up. Bobby Daniel Jones was the fourth highest blitz quarterback in the National Football League this year, and that's just a pure raw number. And he missed what two games? Yeah. So that's I'm not even talking about like the fourth highest blitzed, and he had like, less rate. attempts than most of those QBs ahead of him too. Yes. So I think he had the t- I think he had the highest blitz rate. Yeah. So 
<laughs> we're talking about an offense <laughs> that Daniel Jones held onto the ball higher, you know, around average, higher than average, right? When it's utilizing the quick game, when guys aren't open, when you're not stretching the field, when there's only a single high safety, the Giants, I think the Giants faced cover one or, or you know, man coverage one at one of the highest rates in the National Football League too. So the whole, I feel bad that we're ragging on Jason Garrett again and we're not talking about Daniel Jones. But the whole point is that he just did not have a chance to succeed. Can we move to Daniel Jones in terms of, like, you were talking about his lack of touchdown passes. I kind of want to move to, like, his his production and, and kind of talking about let's, him let's as a whole. Let's rag on Daniel Jones a little bit, okay? Yeah, let's let's rag on him a little bit. Go let's ahead. rag on him a little bit. Let's Let's talk about the first eight games, which the eighth game was Tampa. Yeah. His numbers, 61.8% completion percentage, 6.12 uh, yards per attempt, seven touchdowns, nine interceptions. That's horrible. Those are horrible numbers. The interceptions are, are really high. The touchdowns are low. The yards per attempt is low. The completion percentage. I mean, it it was not good. I mean, and you can like, the Steelers game, we felt good about him. Um, but the two interceptions were costly. Um, you know, I, I didn't hate either one of those decisions, to be honest. But they were costly. Um, but the Steelers game, the Bears game, he has the strip sack. Um, like that wasn't a good game. The Rams game, we had a chance to win that game, and he throws an interception at the end. And he had yeah. green grass in front of him. He throws an inaccurate ball on the sideline that loses the game. The 49ers that was the only game, game. That was the only game out of the first ten weeks. Which, to be honest, Bobby, I'm only evaluating Daniel Jones from weeks one to ten. Because then he gets hurt. He had a pretty darn good game against Cincinnati, but he didn't play that entire game. Then we had the bye week in week 11, and then he misses two games, and we're talking about he's playing on one leg in Baltimore. And well, I guess Baltimore, he, he was Dallas. fine. He was fine to throw Baltimore. I, I'm I, the only game I would say that for is Arizona, but if it's just one game, I'm throwing it in there too. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm mainly evaluating, evaluating Daniel Jones when he can clearly run. Um, which we'll talk about his rushing, but out of the first ten weeks of the season, that was the the Los Angeles Rams game was the only game where he had a negative passing EPA. So continue. Yeah, so the Rams game was bad, and then um, then we have the Dallas game where he plays he plays fine in that game. Um, the Eagles game plays fine in the, uh, plays good in that Eagles game, yeah. and then Evan Ingram Washington us. Washington week six before the Philly game yep. plays um, good in that game. Really, Really ran the ball very well. I mean, th- th- him running the ball was more valuable than throwing the ball that game. Um, so he played average in that game. Um, yeah. So you're thinking he's turning it around, and then you have the Tampa game where he misses throws, and missed throws happen sometimes. They just do. You'll have a game where you miss some big, deep, deep throws. It happens, um, especially when you kind of have to get those guys perfect. But these guys, they were open in that game. He misses those. And the two dumbest turnovers of his entire career made no sense. One just game wise, like you're winning in this in the beginning of the second half, and he's just like getting tackled and just throws these balls in the air. The two dumbest decisions of his career. It puts the Giants at one and seven. Like I said, you just I just mentioned those stat lines. That stat line is horrible. It's a different coaching staff. Like I said, we're one and seven, so we're primed for a high draft pick. That was the first time in my mind where I was like, damn, we're gonna have to look at QBs this offseason. Yeah. That was the first time where I was like, like this, this is, and it was on a Monday night. Like it was, it was, it was a big game, you know? And like they said, they could have won that game. They have that fourth quarter, that last minute drive. And then on the two point conversion, 
He hesitates. It's there. He hesitates. He, like, Daniel Jones flat out lost us that game. That was such a, like, at that point, I was like, man, if this second half of the season goes like this, we're going to, like, and if you could see my post-game reaction video, I said, it's like, if the second half of the season looks like this, we'll be looking at quarterbacks in the draft. Yeah. We're going to be doing a quarterback episode. I'm going to be, we're going to be deep diving into all the quarterbacks because this is bad. Um, That was, that was a low moment. And do you think that was a wake-up call for him at all? Because like we said, we, you know, we'll talk about the numbers in the second half. He had one interception and it was literally right in everything of his hands versus Dallas and he pops it up. So basically he had no interceptions. Like I, I, that's not, I'm not counting that as an interception. He had no interceptions. Um, his yards per attempt went up uh, to 7.25. Completion percentage went up to um, 63.6. Uh, four touchdowns. The touchdown number still stuck. Um, but he was like, he was good in the second half of the season minus the Arizona game. Yeah, and and Bobby between weeks six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and what I was doing when we got to a point where the Giants were looking to possibly turn it around offensively, like you know, you look at that Dallas game, right? The Dallas game is like week five. It's like okay, you know, Giants put up thirty points even though they lost, and you know, Andy Dalton went in, <laughs> came in here, and he was throwing deep balls left and right to Michael Gallup on the sideline. And, you know, so that was a crazy game. And then we win that Washington game. So it's like, all right, we're winning here. You know, Philly, it was a tough loss on Thursday night football, but the Giants offense was kind of poking here and there for signs of life. And from weeks six, seven, eight, not counting week nine, even though that was a win. And then week 10, Daniel Jones was above average in total EPA in terms of his league ranking for that week. He was above average, including the Philadelphia game where he was second in the National Football League, where he went off through the air and when he went off on the ground. And why I look at EPA is if Wayne Gallman does get a one-yard touchdown, but Daniel Jones is efficiently throwing the ball all driver, he produces some sort of explosive play with his legs or through the air, Daniel Jones is going to get the credit for putting expected points on the board. So even though Wayne Goldman gets a touchdown, Daniel Jones gets the credit in the EPA metric. So there was a good little stretch of one, even this even includes the Tampa Bay game, Bobby, where uh, he, he was 13th. He had a league ranking of 13th in total EPA. Um, after that Tampa game across the national football, League. even though we view that as his worst game of the season in terms of his performance. Yeah. Well, and, and even in that Tampa game, like as bad as he played, it's like you kind of get like you got your points from like you know the the Golden Tate touchdown was a deep ball, you know the one right. to Evan Ingram on the sideline, which is a beautiful pass he catches that, yeah. the beautiful throw to Dion Lewis for the touchdown. So even in that bad game, he had some throws, um, which is why you know which is why you want to have multiple deep attempts per game. Yeah. So then, God forbid, you don't hit on some. You can try and hit on a few others too, which that's what it felt like sometimes. We would have games where, oh, Daniel Jones went two for three on deep attempts, and it's like, great, we're talking about how those plays worked. But there would be some games where we would go like one for two or one for three, yeah. and that's still a, that's still a good rate. But it's also like we're just not we're not doing it enough. Bobby, can we? Do you want to? I think we're getting a little long. Um, I feel like we're at a nice little segue. Do you have any other points before maybe we want to talk about? You want to do some. Giant stories and talk about year three. I think we'll include the whole rushing conversation in the year three. Well, you know what we're gonna do, Justin, because it, it's, it's not quite time for um 
for Giant Stories. It's not quite time for the year three conversation. And it's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March. But that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it, you're in cash $100. I mean, come on. You'd have to be dumb to not take that bet. That's right. All it takes is for one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. Sounds like a no-brainer. This slam dunking of an offer... won't be around forever, so head to the App Store now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook and get in, in on all of the action. Get in on it. Get on down to Cleveland Town and bet. If basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds in hockey, soccer, and so much more irrelevant sports. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its customers since 2012. So they know a thing or two about big paydays. I'm sorry, they just do. They pay more money than you guys do. Let's be real. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code JOHNBOY for new customers to get a shot at 100-1 to odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four dollars free bets. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Virginia, call 888-532-3500. You ready for Giant Stories? Oh, I'm so ready for Giant Stories. Justin, Leonard Williams was a star of Giant Stories in 2020. Well, in 2021, he leads it off. He was playing basketball with his brother and his friends. He went to the batting cage with his little brother. He went to medieval times with his little brother. He was chilling with lizards and frogs on his thumb. David Sills was playing jumbo beer pong. Jonathan Harrison made his contract official and went to a Pretty Girls Drinking Tall Boys concert. I don't know if that's a real band, but it was lit up saying that, and I tried to find the music. Couldn't find it, Jonathan Harrison. Carter Carter Coffin was playing bumper cars. Shane Lemieux went to a Phoenix Coyotes hockey game, and Jonathan Harrison had a trip to New York. I put his name twice, forgot about it, didn't put it together. So a very short week of giant stories, but I I think all of our interest goes to Leonard Williams, right? I mean, he's the star of this segment. Carter Coughlin uh, doing some bumper carts is always fun. I- is bumper fan. cars fun? Like, I feel like it's the most boring, like, thing. Like, you just, you don't, like, you're not, like, wrecking each other. It's just like, Like, imagine, like, we're not doing it in cars, and it's just like we slowly run into each other. Like, if you get some full speed ahead from the other side... And just like make some kid yeah, that's, cry. That's yeah. what you have. No, that's what you have. No, you have to look for your friends. But then you're you, you're shamed for that. No, you have to look for your friends. Like I wouldn't hit a child. I think you'd be shamed for hitting a child. Then stay off the track, kid. <laughs> if you can't take the heat, stay out of the kitchen, kid. Um, Leonard Williams going to medieval times. Why do I feel like this was not the first time that we have talked about Leonard Williams going to medieval times? If we don't fight to the death, they will kill us both. That's, well, I think that's where we talked about it, where you brought up that clip. Yes. What episode was that? Oh, God. Most underrated Jim Carrey movie is The Cable Guy. 
You're you're gonna. I know you're gonna find that tomorrow because I I know you. I gotta make a TikTok out of it, dude. I am <laughs> struggling to think of TikToks. I made one today of snacks when I welcomed them on the show, and then and then ended the show last night. Um, yeah, that was a fun. That was a fun little YouTube stream. Uh, where was where was our friend Jonathan Harrison? What? Where was our friend Jonathan Harrison? Well, he was at a concert. Um, pretty girls drinking tall boys. Sounds like a strip club. Doesn't sound like a but no. It was band. it was outside. It was they're playing music, and it seemed like that was the band. Like they had the lights in the in the background. Unless that's a bar name. It sounds like a bar name. I don't know. I think it was. But it's also it, it also could be a good band name. Yeah, but I couldn't find their music. My money is on bar. Uh, my money is on yeah. My money's on bar. And then he he came to New York and made his contract official. And a lot of people were like, "Who is this guy?" Yeah, I, about I, it's sometimes I forget how plugged in we are with the Giants. When people are like, "Who's this center?" Like, "What do you think of the center?" It's like, "We did a whole episode on the guy." Like, I did a, I yeah. did a breakdown. I spent my entire Sunday doing research into Jonathan Harrison. What do you mean? Yeah. Who is this guy? All right, that's Giants stories. Um, and then Leonard Williams just continues to be the biggest, uh, the best Big Brother of all time. He's the best Big Brother in the world. Uh, in the world. All right, let's talk about Daniel Jones Year Three. Yeah. I hate to say the make or break thing because. You know, it, but it, mi- is. it might not be. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we go seven and nine, eight and eight, and Daniel Jones doesn't like prove himself, he's probably here for year four. Um, you know, obviously the fan base would be ticked off, but you know the fan base doesn't make the decisions. But I mean, well, here here's the thing: we go seven, seven and nine, eight and eight. The Giants aren't in a position to pick a quarterback. That's what I'm saying. So we yeah. might, you know, people are like, oh, we got you know, like. But it like we say make or break, but it very well may not be our make or break year for Daniel Jones. Um. So what? The, year three is important though, because like I I look at it with the Jets and Sam Darnold. Have the Jets totally screwed Sam Darnold over? Yes, they have. Do I think Sam Darnold could still be a good QB? Yeah. Now the chances are go lower every year where you're not. Your chances of that being happening go lower and lower. But it's like the. The, I think the Jets should take a QB because you screwed Sam Darnold. You're entering year four, and it's like you just kind of have to start over, you know, if you're in that spot. So if the Giants are in the top five spot, and you know they get screwed over, like if Garrett's offense continues to suck, like it, it, it like you get you get screwed over, you know. Say though, you know the wide receiver they draft in the first round doesn't have a good rookie year, which is like can't happen. Like Jerry Judy didn't have a good rookie year, even though I still think he's going to be really good. Yeah. Um. So or you know whoever they draft. Um, but it's such a big year. It's such a big year, and and the Huge. the hope for it is one, two, you know, continuity is not the reason to bring back Jason Garrett at all. Like if that's your only argument, it's a bad argument. But con a second year in the system with it is better than the first year in the system. You know, yeah. and we do think they will have better weapons. Um, and hopefully Daniel Jones can be a guy who can feel more comfortable audibling at the line of scrimmage. You know, the way which, Tony Which Romo he did, would, by the way. He did. Yeah, but, but you know. really taking control of it, the way Tony Romo did in Dallas. So, I mean, he, Bobby, he was offense. doing it. The explosive plays that were happening against Philadelphia at home week 10. Um, I'm having trouble thinking of another Cincy. one. So, uh, since, yeah, the Cincinnati, that huge third, third, third and short that went to Evan Ingram on the right sideline in, like, the first quarter, that was, I mean... 
Daniel Jones was a maestro at the line of scrimmage, just taking like 20 seconds to really diagnose what was going on. Um, even if they go, I, I feel like this was an Eli Manning thing at one point, going up tempo, but not snapping the ball until maybe like five seconds left because you want your quarterback to read what's going on. You know, if D Daniel Jones was clearly not drafted because of his awesome arm talent, right? Which I'm not saying that he's, you know, he doesn't have a big arm. Not saying that. He doesn't have you know. a huge arm. He just has a, he has a, he has a good arm and is accurate downfield. But like, but I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, Daniel Jones was not drafted for Josh Allen purposes right, because he has right, a big right. arm. Daniel Jones was not drafted because he was a, you know, he was a Lamar Jackson. We'll, we'll get to talking about his, I want to, I want to talk about his rushing ability. What he was drafted for is because clearly the Giants value a quarterback who is a smart guy who works hard and can improve year in and year out, right? You know, it, there's certain intangibles that the Giants are looking for in a quarterback, which that guy right there behind me, you know, that, that jersey, that clearly he had. You know, he wasn't, he was never the most gifted, really anything, you know, where Eli Manning just worked, he worked hard and he was smart and he could diagnose the system and he can learn that system better than anybody else. So that's what they're hoping Daniel Jones can also be too. So I'm with you, Bobby, but one of the things that we that I, I do want to talk about because I think there came a point and it really was I would say the uh, week five week six where the Giants offense started to pick up but also that is where Jason Garrett and that is where Joe Judge and that is where Daniel Jones started keeping these read options at more of a higher rate and Daniel Jones was relying on his legs a little bit more in terms of designed runs not necessarily QB scrambles I don't think Jones is a scrambler. I don't think Jones is a guy that's going to ever be awesome at improvising plays, even though he has the athleticism to do so. I think he is a pocket passer, but he also has the great ability to be a walking, explosive play in the run game. Bobby, at one point after week 10, Daniel Jones had 7.8 yards per rushing attempt. That was the highest in the NFL. And he had enough rushing attempts where I think he, they could consider him to be counted in the rushing attempts category. Um, and this includes guys like Kyler Murray. This includes guys like Lamar Jackson, who, you know, they are kind of walking explosive plays themselves. So, Bobby, there is a debate, though, in terms of Daniel Jones has missed, he missed uh, two games last year due to injury. And then this year, he also missed two games. And, and you can obviously make the argument that he should have missed more time because they kind of rushed him back for that Arizona game. And even when he came back from the injury and his arm it looked a little bit better and his pocket mobility looked, his, his pocket manipulation looked a little bit better, he was not running the ball, except in that Dallas game, week 17. I think they kind of shocked us sometimes. Yeah, they blew. So, So where are we right now on Daniel Jones and running the ball? Do we want that to be a decent big part of his game because in my opinion I think the way that we can get Daniel Jones to produce at an above average rate in the National Football League I'm not talking about elite quarterback the way that we can get him to be an above average quarterback is if we combine the threat of his legs with his arm if he if we're just utilizing his arm and if we're not running him because we're afraid of injury I think he is just an average quarterback well, I, I'll 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 disagree. My aspirations for him are to be elite, um, but it's well, talking my, rushing mine one. too, mine too. But I'm talking about my realistic expectation for in this what upcoming I think. season. The aspirate the realistic aspirations for me to be above average. Year four, year five, um, my aspirations are for him to be an elite, you know, top eight quarterback or, or you know whatever whatever you consider that. 
but is that going to include in your brain? Yes. Because in my brain, and it has option to include him running the ball. Not freaking QB counters, which is the play he got injured on. Which, like, we can't, like, no, don't run him on QB counters. He got better at not taking the big hits that he did in 20, I mean, you remember 2019. I mean, he, like, he was reckless with his, I mean, he was reckless. And he had a couple plays like that this season. But he was reckless in 2019. And there were some awesome plays that came out of it. So, you know, it's you know it's, it's hard to pick and choose. But, um, but the two plays he got injured on were a QB counter. And then in 2019, you remember it was a fourth and one. And he literally yes. goes head up with Zedarius Smith in the hole. Yeah. And wins. Yeah. But he, he sprains his ankle on the play. So those are the two plays he got injured on was... Uh, a, a like a QB pow- like it was it had a read option element of it, but it was a QB power up the middle, and he I mean listen, he went head up with Zadarius Smith and got the first down and finished that game, which like was crazy and had some crazy throws like even th- plays right after I get the adrenaline running. So read option is scrambling. Get rid of these inside pulling your guard lead runner like plays. Get rid of those. What, what about did? Was that not the play that worked against Philadelphia, where he had like two rushing touchdowns? One was called back due to an Andrew Thomas holding call. That those were those had a pulling guard, but they were read options out on the perimeter. Talking Got about it. out on the perimeter, we don't want him running through the hole because then it's like you're you're when you have plays like that, it means you're you're taking hits as a running back. There's no way yeah. around it. You can't slide on those plays unless you break it free and have a one on one with a safety. You can't really dive, nor would he. Um, so. Don't do those unless it's the playoffs and it's fourth and one and you gotta like you gotta have it, you know. But get rid of those. Read option and scrambling. I think it's such an important element of what worked this year. You know, when the offense was working at its best, and that was week six against Washington, week seven against Philadelphia. I mean, week seven against Philadelphia, you know, without that eighty yard run, you know, I don't think the Giants are even in that game. You know, uh, that 80 yard run really made all the difference in the world. Tampa Bay, he 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 was. I don't think really think he did much on the ground. That was really his arm, and you know the mistakes that he made made the difference in the game. But the explosive plays through the air, and then obviously week 10 against Philadelphia. You know the the 30 yard first. You know the first touchdown of that game was a 30 yard touchdown that set the tone for the rest of the game. So him him rushing the ball and running the ball really does bring another element to this offense because I don't think, you know, with, and with Saquon back, you hope that, you know, the threat of Daniel Jones's legs could be even stronger. Yeah, and what was so frustrating is we didn't run it once in the first. Remember the first two weeks? It was Daniel Jones and Sam Donald were the only two QBs that didn't run a read option. It was, it was. They were the only yeah, two in the NFL. And remember how, like, our running game got destroyed week one because they weren't respecting that and they had Bud Dupree, like, Everyone's like, oh, Bud Dupree played great. He's like, did he? Or did he just have a free run at the running back on the backside all yeah. game long? Like, like, you know what would have fixed that? Hold it. Let the kid uh-huh. run. And now, guess what? Saquon Barkley is not rushing for four total yards. Okay? I'm not saying he would have had a, it would have been some amazing game. But it wouldn't have been non-existent where I remember we went through all the first down runs in that game. It was like, this is why we lost because of the first down run. So, yeah. But so now, now they know. Do it, do it. Yeah, and 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 to and to think they're not going to be scared because of injury. Because guess what they did week seventeen? They ran it like three times. Now Dallas was <laughs> all over it, but they ran it like three times. You know what well, he like? You know he's ha- he wasn't as injured, but he still I'm sure was a little banged up. Yeah. 
I hope, I hope, I hope Freddie Kitchens was given a promotion for a reason that Joe Judge and his self-evaluation process is legit. I, I would like to, I mean, Joe Judge even had a self-reflection and evaluation process in the middle of the season, you know, going from, you know, the the terrible blocking scheme that kind of relied on 1v1 battles or offensive linemen to just beat the guy in front of him, and then that wasn't happening, and then some other fun, you know, interesting run concepts were introduced, which we've talked about that, and then even, you know, I even thought of today, Bobby, you know, just with Patrick Graham, you know, Patrick Graham's a part of the Giants coaching staff, obviously, he's the, <laughs> he's a part of the coaching staff that we love the most, you know, Bobby, all summer we talked about Oh, Patrick Graham played a ton of man coverage in Miami. He all he did was line up with the single high safety in Miami in twenty nine in twenty in twenty nineteen. Who's gonna play single high safety for the Giants? Can these corners play man coverage? And then what does he come out and do? The Giants played like zone coverage and cover three with two high safeties, like at one of the highest rates in the National Football League. That is a coach that is versatile. That is a coach that is expendable. Is a coach that can adjust. That is what we want in the NFL. That is what we want our coaches to be. And typically, a lot of our coaches in the past, you know, Ben McAdoo, not really a guy that adjusted. Uh, Pat Shermer, not really a guy that that made his defensive staff and made his defensive coordinator adjust to anything at all. You know, what we are really hoping for, and I have hope because we have no other choice but to have hope. I'm not going to sit here and be a negative Nelly and negative Nancy all offseason. We have to have hope that Joe Judge's self-evaluation process, the self-reflection process of what can I do to get better. The Giants know they need to add playmakers, but hopefully they are also talking behind the scenes that when and if we add these playmakers, we need to do more interesting and diverse things with them to get them open in space and to help out the quarterback a little bit more. Do it, Joe Judge. Get it done. Get it done, Joe Judge. Whether you like it or not, you're stuck with the kid for next year. Get it done. All right, we appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Tuesday. Not sure what we're going to have on Tuesday. We um have like... We're out of position review, so we don't have that to fall back on. So we're going to get creative on Tuesday. So when's free agency? We got a couple. We got free agency preview starts the week after this one. So oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So we'll see you then. Appreciate you guys. Until then, let's go big blue.